0: We find ourselves in a sermon series of the seven deadly sins and how they quickly can get into our lives and a road away at the very heart of who we are. And so today we look at that of anger. And I think of a few times in my life, and it's probably the reason my dentist says I shouldn't clench my teeth as much as I do. But there was one time I was in second grade. I'm going way back now. All right. Had to find something relevant. And I was wearing a dress. My mom thought I looked cute to go to school that day. And I'm out on the monkey bars because there's monkey bars. So why would you not be on them, right? So I was up. And, of course, there's this boy who finds himself underneath the monkey bars and proceeds to tell everyone in second grade the color of my undergarments, (laughs) the anger which raged within me, right? So I thought he was in the wrong, so in taking care of business, I haul back and punch him in the face, breaking his glasses. This is not what you should do, okay? I have many, many other stories, but I thought this would be the best to tell in church today. (laughs) We find ourselves in such a time where we can look and wonder, is it okay to be angry? We see injustice and problems throughout the world, and we say that we've got to keep it all in. I want to share with you one other passage of Scripture I'm gonna read from Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, beginning in verse 15 through 19. This is a, a biblical narrative of Jesus and the, the first thing he does after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. You know, Palm Sunday where they laid the cloaks before him and we shout, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. This is what he does next. They came into Jerusalem after entering the temple. He threw out those who were selling and buying there. He pushed over the tables used for currency exchange and the chairs of those who sold doves. He didn't allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. He taught them, hasn't it been written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've turned it into a hideout for crooks. The chief priests and legal experts heard this and tried to find a way to destroy him. They regarded him as dangerous because the whole crowd was enthralled at his teaching. When it was evening, Jesus and his disciples went outside the city. This is the first thing after that triumphal entry where we proclaim Hosanna, the first thing he comes in And in anger, overthrows tables, calls the synagogue officials thieves, and screams out to all who could hear that they have turned his father's house into a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer. Some may say that this is certainly not one of Jesus' best moments, or is it? In our favorite stories of Jesus, he's welcoming little children into his arms and considering the lilies. But before Jesus is forgiving us, the reality is that he gets angry. And he's especially angry with the religious leaders, the clergy, the religious people. I guess we might all be in trouble since all you religious people find yourselves in church today. Many scholars will tell you that one of the main things that led Jesus to the cross was his action in the temple. And you know that kind of makes sense. You can't overturn tables in the temple of God without getting away unscathed. Much of the bad that happens in the Bible is due to anger. I'm reminded of how in resentful anger Cain killed Abel how Jonah, angry with God, refused to go to Nineveh and went in the opposite direction only to get swallowed up by a big fish. When Jesus preached his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, the people came so enraged by his words, they tried to throw him off a cliff. In the Hebrew scriptures, it's a constant dance between anger and compassion of God and the Jewish people, yet God remains faithful. Bishop Willimon, in his book, Sinning Like a Christian, once asked a police officer what causes him the greatest fear in his line of work. The answer was anger. The worst and most brutal crimes are the crimes of passion between people One person gets angry or jealous or out of control and violence and harm and even murder occurs. There's no argument that when anger takes over our lives, we lose our sense of humanity and the sense of humanity in others. Anger blinds us to seeing of another way out and distracts us from channeling our raw emotions into something helpful and valuable Anger, at its worst, brings out the most violent, shameful parts of ourselves, like busting Jamie Mixon right in the nose in second grade. Yet we can argue that much of the greatest good in the world is achieved through anger. Where would we be if it were not for the anger of those who fought for civil rights? who struggled to overcome violence and oppression. I'm thankful for those who fought for the rights of women and minorities and who spoke out in anger for our many freedoms. Anger, while it can be deadly, is also a natural and necessary response to injustice. It is an acknowledgement that this is not the world that it is meant to be. And we should care about social justice, compassion, equality. We should be angry at the state of our world today. And at times, the state of our nation. We should be able to express our anger with each other in church. And through prayer, conversation, and then let it lead to a healthy and well-intentioned action. Anger, when fed through the proper channels, can be a powerful force for change in our world today. These days, I would say that most of my anger is directed toward the violence and injustice, intolerance, and prejudice we see. And it's up to me It's up to you and I to do something about it instead of just sit on it and do nothing. There are many people that think that Christians are not allowed to get angry. Many would look at us and and think that we're to be all smiles and happiness and daisies everywhere. I don't know why I said that, but why not? And happiness all the time. That all we do is sing and just fellowship together. But I want to ask, really? Really? If we're not angry about something, then I'm worried about the state of our church. The church should be this driving force in making change happen in the world. There was a time when the church got angry and spoke out against inequality and injustice in our communities, and people paid attention. Why is that change today? Maybe we're not angry enough at the state of things, and we need to look within and decide what, in fact, angers us the most, and then channel that anger into something productive and transformative. Do you realize that there are people in Bullock County, I'm just going to start right here, that had nowhere to sleep last night? The weather felt like it was 30-something, anything that says 30 is cold to me, 30-something degrees outside, and I slept with three blankets, a heating pad, and probably 19 pillows. This is a state in which we need to help. We should be upset that there are people in our backyard that are not well-fed, That children live for the day to go to school on Monday morning because they had nothing to eat over the weekend. We used to be a voice of change. The voice of the church would speak loud to communities. And we've lost that power. Anger can be a powerful and motivating force. But at the same time, anger, if we're not careful, Tends to drive us not into prophetic zeal of what God has called us to, but rather deeper into ourselves. In seething, simmering resentment. Part of sin is isolation. We are right and the world is wrong. We are the victims of injustice and the world is unjust and down the spiral we go. Anger is a deadly sin because it isolates us and keeps us from having to be affected by the world around us. It has the potential to keep us from having to change. Some people would rather just cling to their anger because it's all they know, it's holding them hostage. They would be forced to face the world without anger that they've held on to for so long. And what a different world it would look like when we find ourselves struggling with the kind of anger that isolates us, holds us hostage, that makes us bitter or at its worst threatens to do harm to ourselves or someone else. We need to name it as a sin and give it over to God. Our anger ought to be given to God as an offering. It's our confession that we have to come to a place in our lives where we're unable to fix what afflicts us. We love and serve a God who can handle our anger and even gets angry with us and for us. We have a Savior who turned over tables in the temple, whose anger is shown against us so that we might be decisively for us, who refuses to let our sin have the last word. We have a Savior whose anger led to a cross where ultimately forgiveness has the final victory. A story is told about a woman in Belfast, Ireland, who's a hard-working and devout Christian whose husband was tragically murdered over a decade ago. That morning, she kissed him on the cheek as he left house for work. And as he got into his car in front of their house, two men got out. One shot at him five times and the other shot at the woman and her daughter, but the bullets only shattered the door. The two men fled off, leaving her husband to die. Her husband was a superintendent of a local jail, which made him a target of anger and violence. When this woman was asked how she is not angry with these men or her husband's murder, she tells how she stood over her husband's body and began to say the Lord's Prayer. She got as far as forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. She then prayed that to God that she might be, that she might begin to forgive these people who killed her husband. But she also prayed a different prayer. She prayed that God would help her every day not to be destroyed by anger. Every day, Her choice was to give her anger over to God and let God be angry with them or punish them or forgive them or whatever God chose to do, but she chose to forgive. She chose not to let anger overtake her life. How many of us would be able to do as much? So let us give our sin of misdirected and resentful anger over to God Because since God in Christ gets angry with us in the world, we don't have to. We can go on delivered on the horrible, dangerous, terribly self-destructive sin of anger. And when we find ourselves angry with the state of the world, may we seek guidance on how to use that anger for good and not harm, to channel it into means of justice and mercy And to show that, yes, even Christians get angry from time to time, but at least we do something right and holy about it. And may we continue to hear the good news, that even in a world where the sin of anger leads to bitterness and violence and threatens to cut us off from goodness in the world, we turn to a God who can handle our anger, who is willing to take it on. And who loves us enough to be angry with us, for us, and who delivers us from it, if only we are willing. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you join me as we pray? God, in this time we come not knowing at times how to control the anger we find ourselves in. We see a world of systemic injustice and violence, oppression. And you are asking us to speak and be a voice of reason. Guide us, direct our lives to serve you in this way. That the kingdom of God would know your love and it would rain down. But Lord, at times when we allow sin to just captivate us, bind us, and hold us tight. May we offer it to you, Almighty God, seeking your forgiveness and love, that it would allow us to breathe you in and know your presence among us. Continue to guide our hearts as we seek to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.